Get ready for truth and transparency from an ocean of liberal tears. Welcome to the Blue Shark Show with your host, Mike Lang. Bond, G-I-S-D, Bond. So that's Bond 22, right? Yes. Most everybody knows about the G-I-S-D Bond 22. And there are two propositions that are going to be on the May ballot. And the total of the two are $394 million, which is a huge amount of money for Granberry ISD. Now, there was a bond steering committee that was put together by the board, and there were seven members on the bond steering committee. And Nate, you got to be one of the members, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Courtney appointed me to that steering committee. And the steering committee, there's seven of us on there, basically to manage this project should these bond propositions pass. So we have a $394 million bond package. Can you kind of go over what our debt is now from previous bonds, what that is going to mean to the taxpaying citizens? Sure. So right now the district has roughly $93 million in debt. And those numbers, all the numbers will be thrown out here come directly from uh, the district unless otherwise noted. And at $93 million, we're actually in a decent spot uh, compared to other districts, you know, of comparable size in our region, stuff like that. But whenever you take the $93 million and you add another 394 now you're looking at 487 almost half a billion dollars in debt for about 7,500 students. And that being $487 million in debt actually would put us in one of the worst positions uh, relative to other districts in our area. When we talk about bond debt, we're talking about voter-approved debt through these bonds that were voted on by you, the citizens here in Granbury ISD area. And when you look at bond debt, it's called INS. And we also have another portion of your taxes that go to M&O, which is maintenance and operation. So this is only one facet of that proportion of the money that we spend on our taxes through school taxes. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So as a member of the bond steering committee, you realize, just like most people here in Hood County, that there is a problem. There's no denying that there's a problem. Uh, you know, I drove by Acton Elementary the other day, saw several uh, portables outside. I keep hearing about crowded hallways and turning cafes into classrooms at the high school. Uh, there's no denying that there is a problem. It's just I don't believe that this ballot proposition is the best way to go about solving it. So maybe instead of having over a half a billion dollars in debt for INS, not even including yet the M&O, maybe there are different solutions that the school board can look at um, that might come out of the bond steering committee, or is this already set? You know, Mike, there are other ways to skin this cat. And when I got onto the steering committee, uh, I saw that there was a problem, and I saw that, you know, hey, this probably isn't the best solution, and just having a pulse on the community, there are certain aspects of this bond proposal that came out of the long-range planning committee um, that are highly controversial, and I would argue uh, communist in nature. Pre-K can be a big number, and right now with the federal government moving towards more and more pre-K money being sent to the states, and not only pre-K, 
but toddler and infant care, which could be a problem, and it starts with pre-K. Yes, and uh, we're already seeing that in the DFW Metroplex. You know, we're more or less creating a child care crisis uh, for, you know, uh, they always say they're trying to do it for the working class families, but those are the ones who, in the end, uh, have to pay for it and suffer the consequences. So we look at the marketing strategy of the four-for-one pack and then the marketing strategy from GISD. Now, they're not combined. They're separate, correct? Yeah, they are separate. They legally have to be. The district, as an entity, cannot take a position on any election, really. So as an entity, you're correct. As an individual school board member or an individual person, they still may. Yes, the trustees, yeah. And one of the things that I noticed uh, throughout this process is there seems to be at least some level of coordination between uh, the four-for-one pack and the district. I recently went to a town hall out in Bentwater, and the district opened it up, and then they kicked it off to the pack. You know, technically, the district was not speaking in favor, but I thought it was odd that the uh, representative on behalf of the district there, uh, Mr. Dawson, uh, wasn't able to say how much debt the district was currently in. It's like anything that was uh, running contrary to the narrative, they were, it seemed like they were withholding information, that or they should have had somebody with some facts and figures, maybe a cue card up there. So we're talking about town halls and different ways of uh, communication that the PAC is using and GISD is using, whether it's Facebook, whether it's their website, to get everything out. And I think that's good. But a lot of people talk about the misinformation or the information that really isn't there or you can't get the information. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, it's funny listening to the pack. One of the first things that they say in their opening, they've all kind of got it, uh, their talking points down, is that the biggest threat to the future of this district is misinformation. And they try to say, you know, misinformation, there's all these people putting this stuff out. In my experience, most of the misinformation is coming from either the pack or, in some instances, the district itself. And one example being... Uh, as a member of that committee, I'd asked for, hey, you know, here's a slide from Bach Financial that shows where the district is currently. Can you give me where we will be if we sell all the uh, bonds? You know, if we sell all the $394 million, which we most assuredly will. And uh, kind of got the runaround. They sent me some stuff back. And uh, I said, you know, I'm just going to put my GISD education to use and uh it's not hard let's take uh 394 plus 93 you get 487 487 million dollars for the district now you divide that by the student population and granbury would go from twelve thousand dollars of debt per student to sixty five thousand dollars of debt per student making us the worst uh in the you know lineup that they showed and another interesting piece was that whenever you look at the appraisal values, and these are all based on today's appraisal values, uh, the debt percentage for GISD right now is 1.31, but if this bond passes, we'll actually be at, and correct my math here if I'm wrong in the comments, 8.26%. Now, they'll say that, oh, you know, that's, that's subject to this year's evaluations and tax rates, and they try to use relativity, just like in those slides where they show 
GISD in a favorable financial position, it's all relative to others around it. But as soon as the relativity stops feeding into their narrative, uh, they abandon that real quick. And one example is they talk about the tax rate, and school board president Barbara Townsend does this every time. She, she gets up there and says, hey, the tax rate, we have one of the lowest around. Uh, you know, we continually cut your tax rate. And that is true, but the implication with that statement is that your tax bill is going down. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but when I see a politician say, hey, we cut your taxes, but your bills are going up, it doesn't make any sense. And so I put together, these numbers came from the appraisal district, I put together these numbers that show uh, in a visual format, I'm kind of visual myself, I think a lot of people are, uh, that that tax rate can go down, but somehow the property tax revenue for the district uh, increased 25% over the last uh, six or seven years here, since 2015. We went from a little less than $60 million to a little less than $75 million. Carry the 12, you know, it sounds like a 25% increase to me. And that's exactly what it is because you can play with the tax rate and vote on a tax rate, but then you have your appraisals and everybody says, well, we're not taxing you anymore. Well, your appraisals go up and my bill goes up and your bill goes up. And so you can play with the numbers all you want when it comes to the bond, whether it's, and we talked about it before, whether it's maintenance operation, M&O, or INS, the bond debt. And that's another thing that people need to realize. And and we're not saying there's not a problem. We already said there's a problem, correct? There is absolutely a capacity issue, yes. So, but we want everybody to know what this is going to entail at $394 million and add another $93 million to that. That's just INS. Can you explain to us if this all comes about what we're going to be faced with in all probability with an M&O situation. Sure. So the district wants to take on all-day pre-K, which right now um, it is not equipped for full uh, free-for-all all-day pre-K. They offer it to kids that are on you know some level of government assistance, and then the teacher's kids can pay for a tuition. They have a very small targeted program right now, which already disrupted the local market. But uh, when they want to, according to the Long Range Planning Committee, devote two elementary campuses uh, to full-day, free-for-all, all-day pre-K um, for three- and four-year-olds, you're looking at, and this is by their numbers, 12-to-1 uh, ratio, uh, teacher or aid, you, you know, combine the two to be 12-to-1, tw- uh, you're looking at 110 new teachers or aides, you know, so let's say 55 teachers, 55 aides. That's not including the support staff that goes along with it. With two campuses, you're going to have two principals, maybe four vice principals, counselors, uh, administrators, secretaries, curriculum directors, lunch ladies, bus drivers, all this stuff that nobody is talking about. And as they sell this bond to the community, this is one of the things that really irks me, is that they're not being transparent. We, we just put two people on the school board that ran on transparency. We have five others that have said before, oh, we're transparent, we're, we're so transparent. If you are so transparent, tell the truth. This is going to devastate not only the local economy as it pertains to early child development learning centers, but it's also gonna increase everyone's tax bill. Right now, 
Experts that I've talked with estimate we're looking at not a 20 cent tax, but a 40 cent tax or more, which takes us, and this is on their their own sheets, they've got one that shows us being second from the lowest only to Glenrose. If you add another 40 cents to that dollar eight and put us up at a dollar 48, we're like the third worst in Texas. It's going to be awful. The third highest tax rate, which again is all just a joke anyways, but the, the tax bills are going up. Your tax uh, revenue is going up. The school is trying to expand into the, what is right now mostly a private market. They already, you know, hurt a lot of the daycare centers. Nobody's operating at full capacity for three and four year olds right now. I can tell you that. And it's, um, there's, there's just a lot going wrong with this. And I really wish the district would consider either pivoting for this bond and, you know, having the trustees step up and say, no, we're not going to sell 394. It's kind of like a credit card, this bond. Uh, they set your limit at 394 million. You don't have to spend all of it, but in all likelihood, unless we get some serious change from the school board, uh, we probably will, and then some, and your tax rate will go up, and then they'll say, well, we had to, because now, you know, this was all part of this long-range planning committee. They put it off on the committees. They don't want any accountability. And frankly, it's disgusting. We are in a position in Granbury ISD where if we had a fiscally sound conservative school board, we could be the absolute shining beacon throughout the entire state of Texas with how public education is supposed to be run. And you brought up the M&O, and that's just another facet of what, as taxpayers, we're going to have to pay. And it's understandable if more students are coming into the system that you're going to need more teachers. But the way this is being done and sold to the community, we need to see those M&O numbers or predicted M&O numbers along with this bond so people have clarity on what their tax bill is going to do. The Long Range Planning Committee's uh, demographer data says that Acton Elementary only has 822 current students out of 880 capacity. After talking to a couple teachers there at Acton Elementary, the number is more like 950 right now. They've got four portable buildings outside because they're out of classroom space. And it seems as if the district is wanting to kind of downplay how bad things are right now as it pertains to some of these elementary schools. Uh, but we have to do what makes the most sense and what puts the least amount of strain on uh, the traffic and the working class families and the people that are ultimately paying for this. One thing that I see from the district is that they keep comparing us to Highland Park and Frisco and Plano and Trophy Club and South Lake. We are none of those places. We have nowhere near the student population. Uh, we have nowhere near the total population or the tax base or the industrial tax base to help pay for that. It is working class families that are paying for this. And the district keeps saying, if you're 65 or older, well, you're not going to have to pay for it anyways. Your tax rates are frozen. Well, that's absolutely correct. That just means that the working class that still probably have kids in school are going to be paying that much more for all of this. This is a headache and a catastrophe in the making. And, you know, I can't blame the Long Range Planning Committee because they were given bad data. You can't solve your problems if you can't evaluate them. And the data they were given from the demographers is no good. So to me, that, that tells me that they're 100% behind the $394 million package 
that's going to end up to be over a half a billion dollar package. They want it on the May ballot, but if it gets defeated, what do you think is going to happen? Well, we ran through that scenario as well, and if I would argue when this gets defeated, because uh, I, I don't believe this has the uh, required support to uh, pass, when this thing gets defeated, I said, Dr. Glenn, look, I love public schools. I, I'm a product of GHS. This is my hometown. It's where I, you know, I've chosen to make my home for the rest of my life. I am 110% behind these public schools, and I want to see you succeed. I said, if this doesn't pass, I told Dr. Glenn, I will be one of the biggest supporters of it on a November ballot. You know, a, a re- done, uh, reanalyzed, uh, recalculated plan that comes in at a lower cost. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he didn't seem too keen on the idea of a November ballot. And if you look at the Republican Party of Texas platform, um, we are supposed to have these on uniform election days. And I would argue that if you want the greatest amount of input on a proposal like this, you do it in November, especially on a midterm with Biden in office, because we're going to have 60 to 70 percent turnout uh, in November. Why not put something more reasonable on the ballot then? I hope that the district will. And I hope that when this gets defeated, they'll, you know, kind of regroup and come at it from another more reasonable and more fiscally conservative direction. Just like the county and the city, everything has to be done now because of whether it's interest rates, whether it's bond debt, what, whatever the explanation they give, everything's now, 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 right? Yes, it is now, now, now. And this goes back to the sales cycle. Anyone that's worked in sales, you have to create a sense of urgency. Hey, if we don't do this now, we're going to be in bad shape. Hey, if we don't do this now, interest rates are going to go up. There's always an excuse for why to do it now, but there's never an excuse to be irresponsible about how to do it. And we, we both agree, and I think almost everybody agrees that, we said earlier, there is a problem. There's a capacity issue. There's more students coming in. We're going to have to do something, but a half a billion dollars? Let's look into this a little bit more. If we can do it for $200 million now and maybe extra in the future as we grow, that's one thing, but to just run out and do a half a billion and say, we'll just kind of fit in things where they belong or where we think they're going to belong, people aren't going to go for that. Please comment below on any solutions, any ideas that you may have with this bond to help with the steering committee, the administration, and what may or may not occur here in Granbury with the students. Because like everybody says, it's all about the kids it's all about the students, and a lot of times we get kind of mixed up on what do you need to, do you need a Taj Mahal? So on the May ballot, if this bond proposal fails, maybe we can get it on the November ballot at a different price, a different solution, where we know exactly what the INS cost is going to be, and even the numbers, the at least predictive numbers for the m cost. Shark Show out.